Hello, everybody. This is the Winning in Winnipeg podcast, where I talk to top performing business owners, executives, entrepreneurs, and local Winnipeg celebrities. I get to learn who they are and how they think, and I get to hear their perspective about what's really going on in Winnipeg and in their businesses. Today, we're lucky to have Jared Lang. Jared is the managing partner of the new Murray Jeep Dodge dealership at Confusion Corner. I probably said that wrong. Before that, he was the sales manager at Murray Chevrolet and has been involved in the automotive sales industry most of his career. Jared earned his bachelor's degree from the University of Manitoba while on a hockey scholarship with the Bisons. Not only is he one of the most likable guys I've ever met and honest, but incredibly attractive. I know that there's a lot more that I could tell you about him, but I'm going to just let him tell you the rest. Mr. Lang, good to see you. Thank you, Dan. Nice to see you as well. So I know uh, it's really not that new, I guess. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you don't feel that way. I don't know. But congratulations on the dealership. Mm, I think that's huge. Yeah, no, uh, certainly very exciting. Yeah. So how long have you been there now? Four years. Four years, March 2018. Yeah. Yeah, it's gone by quick. It has. Mm-hmm. I remember you just getting it. Yeah. That's how fast. That's See, that's COVID time. Yeah. Yeah, That uh, it certainly has gone a lot quicker because of that. Like for, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely blown away at what COVID has done to my ability to tell time and know what day it is and track anything, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't actually know what I did yesterday. Well, and also for... For the kids, you know, uh, Everly, when she started kindergarten, COVID hit. Like, they haven't been in school yeah, non-COVID, you know, years yet. So, um, lots that it's affected. So, two out of the four years has been COVID. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Take me through, you have a ton of experience at, uh, at Marie Chev. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you got this new dealership. Um you started running it, and then you hit COVID. Mm-hmm. Take me through that. It was tough. Uh, well, like every everybody dealing with it, they you know they certainly didn't drop the COVID textbook on your desk and say this is how you deal with it. It's it was a lot of just trying to figure things out with uh, you know coworkers and and then you know also uh, friends from other dealerships and how they were handling things and and. And then also leaning on, you know, Manitoba Health as well. Like, hey, here's a situation. How do we deal with this mm-hmm. uh, the proper way? And, uh, you know, I think the the hard thing about COVID, the hardest thing about COVID was every time a situation came up, there was a different different way to deal with it. You know, we had a case almost every uh, wave. And, you know, each time you'd have to go back to the playbook and, okay, like, how do we deal with this now? Uh because it changed every time, mm. you know. So that was probably the most difficult thing. People are coming to you for answers all the time and expecting you to know. But, you know, thankfully there was people to, to talk to to help you through those situations. Right. Uh, to deal with it properly. Was there a lot that came up from like up above? Was there much guidance there or was it really individually in the dealership itself? A bit of both, yeah. you know. Um because at the same time, those everyone was kind of scrambling for answers a lot of the time too, right? Because because of the change and 
you know, the variances and, and, and then also, you know, how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there was a lot of unknowns throughout it all that, uh, made it very hard to, to deal with. Right. So yeah, there was a lot of help from, from above. Uh, you know, we would talk, talk a lot on how to deal with different situations, but Good. a lot of it, my, my coworkers, like, um, you know, we just all kind of put our heads together and got things looked after. Yeah. Um, so you have, you came through, you have a degree in business and psychology. I do. Ish? Yes. Look at that. Mm-hmm. One of the most incredible things that I found when I was reading up on you mm. is, uh, I was actually at a dealership and I had to get a ride home and it was the kid's first day. And I'm like, what's your, what's your position? He said, lot attendant. I said, Oh, okay, cool. So I talked, chatted with him. He's a good kid. And dropped me off. And here I look, and Jared Lang, 2004 to 2005, lot attendant. Oh, yeah. So solid. Yeah. Okay. So lot <clears throat> attendant for a year. Well, it actually started before that. Like I I had played hockey up in the Paw, Manitoba. Okay. Um, and so I needed a job while I was up there. And so I, I started probably in 03, I guess. Uh, at uh, it was uh, Dean Cooley in the Paw, and I started up there as the used car assistant. Uh, and looked after all the used vehicles, safeties, looked after the lot, all the new vehicles, pre-delivery yep. inspections, all that stuff kind of was put on my plate. So when I did when I did come into Winnipeg, um, you know that dealer was a part of the Murray Auto Group, and. Um, you know, I went to university, but did not live in Winnipeg at that time. You know, my home was was still in Surus, and um, but I was renting an apartment in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. and you know how that goes. You just can't up and leave once school's done. I was going to have to pay for it, and and at that time, actually, my parents had moved uh, to Dauphin. So uh, to me, I just thought, well, you know what, I'll stick it out. My dad had actually reached out to Dan Murray and said, you know, do you think Jared could uh, come and get a job at the dealership? And mm-hmm. So that's where, yeah, that's where it started. I started as a lot kid there that summer. So good. It was an awesome job. Yeah. There were Corvette dealers. So yeah. Yeah. Lots are. of fun. The yeah, Corvettes always needed gas. So in my mind anyway. We've never taken one out before. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, a lot, uh, you did the lot attendant and then you, you, then you moved into sales. Yeah. So I was going to school at the time. So, you know, that was uh, a summer position for me as a lot attendant. Mm-hmm. And then the the next year I came back and uh, our general manager, general sales manager uh, there, Jim Chuka, he approached me and, and said, you know, why don't you give selling a, uh, a try? And, you know, and I was at the time, you're a little nervous. And he said, well, here's what I'll do. I'll pay you the exact same way as I paid you last year as a lot attendant. So whatever I was, I don't know what I was making, minimum wage or something. But he said, I'll bank all your commissions. And then at the end of the year, when you go back to school, you'll have this little nest egg of money. It was probably, yeah, it was, it was a great idea. And, yep. and so Wait, I had a lot of success that summer selling cars. And, uh, and then at the end of the year, you know, I had a nice little, uh, uh, chunk of money saved up to, to help through the schooling year. So, Do you remember how many cars you sold? Uh, how many cars did I sell that? 40, 40 cars, I think. 40 cars your first yeah. year. Yeah. Selling. I expected four. Oh, no, no. Wow. Yeah, Look no, at you. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now I understand. Yeah. Now I understand why you have a dealership. Yeah. No, it was, 
you know what that was uh that that dealership was very easy to sell cars at it was very well managed and you know the the people i as a salesperson or as a lot attendant i had already worked with all the sales guys right mm-hmm. so everybody knew me everybody you know i guess you know enjoyed working with me yep. uh so it was very easy for me to step in to that position as a salesperson i knew how the dealership ran i knew how to, where the cars were i knew where the keys were and you know right. so it was uh and if i ever needed help you know everyone was there to help so one of the, so one of the one of the cool things about doing this podcast and having people on is that you know driving in that car with with the lot attendant yesterday the trajectory is really hard to see right hindsight is everything so if you're when when you're looking back you know you can you can easily track the steps oh i went from here to here to here but when you're on the other side it's really hard to see hey if i do this if i stick this out for this long and i do this or if i work on myself here and you know learn about this and study and whatever you need to enough consistency right and you, you legitimately can create huge results mm-hmm. in 20 years right mm-hmm. so that's that's what i really like about it you went from lot attendant sales and then from there you went to finance finance office yeah yeah is that a natural progression is that uh not at all stores okay you know but um you know what our store it seemed to be okay um you know certainly wasn't yeah it was really a direction that i don't think needed to happen but you know certainly i'm glad it did because it's just you know more experience in the business as mm-hmm. a whole so why would somebody fail in that position which one any of them why any would of them? why would somebody fail at car sales why why do you, why do guys come in and either it's not right for them it's not a good fit at the dealership or it's a lot of work you know, okay. I think I think a lot of people underestimate the work it takes, uh, the hours it takes. Um, you know, you could be, you know, great at talking with people, but if you're not, you know, getting the people in front of you, doing what it takes, you know, grabbing internet leads, grabbing phone calls, doing your outbound calls, uh, follow up, um, you know, being at the dealership when you need to be, um, you know, you're going to fail. Uh, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of work and especially in the first, you know, three, four years of, of selling. Cause that's when you're building your book of business and, and that's when, that's when it's a ton of work, you right. know, uh, you don't have that, the repeat and referral business coming in the door asking for you, you're going, you're finding that business. Um, and you know, so it, it I think that's where a lot of people fail is in that three first you know, three, four years where it is a ton of work, uh, mm-hmm. to build that up. Once you hit that year four, year five, six, and then on from there and that reap, if you've done a great job with people, you know, then they're sending customers to you. They're coming back for more cars or, you know, to replace their car. Um, and you know, that's when the business really starts to get easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, th- that would probably be where you see most people fail. They don't, they underestimate the work it takes. Right. And is there something that you noticed because you moved into more of a managerial position, you know, uh, is there something that you notice about sales guys that 
one has that another doesn't? Like, let's say they're both putting in the work. Is there something, is there a personality that works better? Is there, you know, have you noticed any difference between the guys um, that makes them successful versus not? Yeah, I mean, you, you got to, well, I think the most important thing when it comes to selling cars is building rapport with people. And is that relationship building, mm-hmm. um, you know, because there's five other or four other Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram dealers in, in Winnipeg that people can go and buy a vehicle from. You know, yeah. uh, but you know they've they've chose our our dealership for a reason. Obviously, we've got the right product, and now they're just looking for someone to help them make that purchase, and and they want that relationship with that with that person. So sometimes, you know, I find that we get a little too focused on maybe selling the car than we do selling ourselves. Mm. Um, and you know, I think that's hard for for salespeople at the start to right. realize that right. you know it's not about selling the car. Customers already done 15 hours of research on the internet. They know they want this car. Mm-hmm. They're coming in to find someone to help them. Um, and I think, you know, that's maybe where some people lose their focus when they're, when they're early in the business is yeah. that relationship side of it. Yeah. yeah. How much has it changed now from when you, you were selling? Oh yeah. Big time. You know, we used to, we used to measure our Saturdays based on, our phone calls, we would call them phone ups, phone calls that would come in on Thursday, Fridays. Mm. You know, you knew if the phone was buzzing on a Friday, you were having a good Saturday. Oh yeah. And, um, and now it's internet leads. Right. Right now you're focused on internet leads and, and, you know, watching how many internet leads are coming in to see, you know, how successful you're going to have, uh, on a Saturday. Mm. Um, and, and also customers, you know, they spend a lot more time online. You know, customers are a lot of times smarter, know more about the vehicle than we do when they come in. Right. You know, when I first started, I think they would say um, customers would visit five dealerships on average, five dealerships, okay. you know, and now they're telling us that customers are visiting 1.2 dealerships because hmm. right. they do all their internet shop. They do all their research online. They're spending 14, 15 hours online on average. Um researching the vehicle they want you know they've come to your dealership because you have the product they want they've obviously looked at pricing they know your pricing is in line with what they want to spend yep they're looking for someone to help them now make that purchase and you know i tell my my sales staff all the time the reason it's 1.2 is because i believe 0.2 of the time you the salespeople mess it up a person's in the store to buy the car Mm mm-hmm but you've done something that, you know, they don't like and they're going somewhere else. I really, right. you know, I really think that they've made that buying decision before they're coming to the dealership. They're right. just looking for someone to help them. Isn't that cool? How looking at that 1.2 means it's like if they're walking in, chances are they've made their choice and it's up to you to mess it up. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think anyways. I could I, be wrong. Well, hey. It's the way I like well, to look at it. I, well, I like to fair. think that everybody coming through the doors coming to buy the vehicle. Yep. Right? And, um, you know, that was one thing, you know, I always like to do when somebody didn't buy a vehicle mm-hmm. was reflect on it. And, and, okay, why didn't that person buy the vehicle from me? What could I have done differently? You know, um, what could I have changed uh, to, to make sure that the next person that's coming through the door, I'm selling them a vehicle. You and I have talked about, uh, go ahead. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. 
um, you and I have talked uh, multiple times about sales and marketing and, you know, the importance. And I mean, we're in different businesses, but still it's, you find leads, you close leads and you fulfill, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in, when you started, how much help did you get as far as training uh, through the dealerships? Did they have programs to walk people through? Um, are they different now? You know, sales and marketing. I could never understand. And so in my industry, salespeople are, are realtors, right? And and there are some that do the bare minimum as far as like they take the required courses through their, their brokerages. But then there's others that like, they study their craft, mm-hmm. right? Those are the mm-hmm. 20% that just murder it out there. Mm-hmm. Sales, marketing, negotiating, like they know what they're doing. I I don't imagine that it's much different in car sales where 80%, I'm a big believer in the 80% rule, right? 80, 20, like probably 20% of the guys bang in 80% of the results. Mm-hmm. Um what kind of training did you get and and how did that evolve, right? You've told me about different courses that you've been on and taken and stuff like that. Yeah, they were, you know, they're huge on training. And uh, at the, at Marie Chevrolet where I was, the dealership, um, you know, every morning, nine o'clock, you'd get to work and it was either process training or, or product training yep. of some sort. Um, you know, process training, we'd stick to, uh, sales process of Joe Verdi. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, and I've been to his seminars. I don't even know how many times I've been to his seminars. Okay. Um, you know, in the city here and in Calgary and different places we'd go and, and watch. And and then we would do on, the online stuff as well. Now, <clears throat> I think I think the Joe Verdi sales process, you know, still to this day is very effective. Because there's like two big ones, isn't there? It's like A or B? Uh you know what? I think uh, Joe Verdi was very big for the longest time. Okay. You know, uh, over the last little bit, we've seen, you know, some others come in. Uh, a guy named Tim, Tim Kintz that worked with Joe for the longest time. He's now kind of started his own company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we did it. Uh, Dwayne Marino, uh, Grant Cardone. You know, some of these guys have kind of come in. I And I think they've just kind of evolved the process a little bit, you know, when it comes to uh, internet customers now. Um, the, the Verdi process was great for a customer coming through the front door, but you know, we had to kind of look backwards and okay, now how do we get that customer through the door? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and what does your internet response look like? And what, what's your response for your, you know, best, uh, percentage of getting that customer to resp- even to respond to you? Like, how do you start that volley back and forth with the customer yep. to get them engaged with you? And what are questions you can ask or, you know, things that you can say to, to start that, that volley? Because <clears throat> a lot of times, you know, a customer will send to five different dealerships. Um, you know, and if you're not asking the right question or really responding properly where you're engaging that customer, then, you know, they've gone, you know, down the route to another salesperson and that's where they're buying from, mm-hmm. you know, cause like I said, they're, they're ultimately looking for someone to help them at that point. Right. Um, and so, you know, whoever, you know, you know, I've even said like, we got to, you know, send videos back, like make yourself seem real, not just a response on, on an email. Yeah. Um, 
differentiate yourself, you know, nice. sell the sizzle, right? It's, yep. you know, you gotta, you gotta stand out. Um, and so a lot of these guys have come up with these, you know, they're, they're focused on those types of things. Um, you know, we used to always, we would, we would appraise the vehicle late in the process. Okay. And I think it was Grant Cardone that said, no, no, bring that in early. Uh, bring bring their trade in early because if you're trying to build a relationship with somebody, what's the best way to build rapport with them? Go to their trade. Go to what they're trading in. Look at bumper stickers. Look at where they bought it last. Look at the, you know, are they running a Jets plate, a bomber plate, a, you know, whatever, a snowman plate, are they a snowmobile? You know, do they have car seats in the back? You know, do they have... Uh, Golf clubs in the trunk, you know, anything, anything, yep. you know, what's on their shirt, what's on their hat. You know, you just, you got to be looking for little golden nuggets all the time to, yeah, yeah. to build rapport and, and, you know, get that relationship going with, with the customer. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I know that, you know, the internet has brought a whole new string of opportunity, um, not only in, you know, not only in car sales, not only in, in individual, uh, businesses, but everywhere, right? Like everything is going online. Mm -hmm. Um, what's something that you could, what would you like to see from somebody that's kind of newer, that's coming in? What kind of, what kind of people are you bringing in? What, who's valuable to you when they're coming in? Like I'm talking, you know, 18 to 25, they've, they're, they're either fresh out of school or they are, um, you know, they've, they've had their time to enjoy life and now they're coming back. They're looking for something. What makes them valuable in this industry? I, you know, when I, when I do an interview with someone, I usually look for someone's energy. Okay. You know, um, you know, we did an interview with a guy the other day and, you know, the guy was like vibrating in his seat. He was so excited. And, um, you know, to me, the, the, the process of someone buying a car is very exciting for them, you know, and sometimes as salespeople, we can, you know, it's, you know, I've sold two today already and I've sold, you know, 15 this month already, you know, it can kind of get a little redundant, you know, it's the same thing. We looked at the same car. I've showed it already five times today, mm -hmm. but it's that excitement that sells. Right. You know, so if, if you can kind of feel that excitement with someone, like they've got that enthusiasm and, and excitement in an interview, I like that. Yeah. You know, cause I know, you know, maybe they're putting on a show, but for the most part, you know, they're going to, that's going to translate to, to the way they do business. And, but and if they put on a good show for you, yeah, I guess they right? can put on a good show for the client. Right. Exactly. Like, I, I mean, not that they're faking it, but yeah. you know, if that's who they, who they are at work, if that's who they, who they can be. Mm -hmm. But enthusiasm sells. I mean, if you're with a, a salesperson that's uh, monotone and, and just pointing out, you know, the things you already know, you know, right. versus someone that's, you know, excited about the product, you know, you're going to get excited too. Painting a picture. Exactly. You know, doing anything. You know, so, so that, that's something I like to see right. uh, when I'm sitting across the table from someone. What about skills? Is there any skills that, you would tell people, you know, maybe work on this. Maybe. I mean, you, you got to be able to, or do you, you got to be able to have a conversation with someone. That's fair. You know, <laughs> like that's probably the biggest one for us. A lot of the skills, you know, I find we can, 
we can teach a lot of the stuff like yep. product knowledge easy you know yep. um obviously you want somebody that's passionate about it that they're going to learn a lot more but but you know the product knowledge and and most of the customers know more than we do anyway so but uh you know like that, that we can teach but you know just being able to sit in and have a conversation with someone and be you know likable person yeah you know well dressed well put together um you know we'll certainly we'll try and teach the rest that's fair <laughs> I really like the saying, don't make it hard for people to spend money, mm. right? Um, any any bit of roadblocks that you put, and I know you touched on it, any bit of uh, roadblocks that you put in front of them is just going to be that, like that's that point too, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. the, actually, I'm going to side note here awesome opportunity to have an inside thing for your dealership that's like 0.2 yeah right like only only the people know that that work there uh sorry i get carried away a lot um but we try like eliminating uh eliminating any friction for people to spend money mm-hmm. when they come in like where would we mess up uh, probably, you know, our, the time the process takes can sometimes, um, you know, frustrate a little bit pe- of uh, some people. Yep. I would say, um, well, there's a lot of, a lot of I's to dot and T's to cross, right? There is, there is. And you know, you want to make sure you go through the product with a customer cause yeah, they've, they've looked online and, and you know, they think it's the perfect vehicle and then all of a sudden, you know, they, take this brand new truck out to the trailer sale to pick up the brand new trailer that they bought and they find out that it's got the wrong gear ratio in it right. because you know they didn't take the time to really go through to make sure that that truck or you know present that to the salesperson that hey I'm buying this truck cuz I'm towing right you know and the salesperson goes oh really well you know how big is your trailer you know how much you need to tow cuz yeah. we have different gear ratios based on you know what you're doing with this truck yeah um and it's not easy to change gears in a truck no no it's it's a lot of disassembly yeah Yeah. no i mean there's and there's lots of things yeah i the other day we went to deliver a truck brand new truck and i'm not sure how it happened but there was a little scratch on the hood Mm -hmm. you know so right away that customer went from having the greatest experience of their life to I just bought a $70,000 truck with a scratch in it, mm-hmm. you know, so that's tough on the salesperson. It's tough on everybody. Right. Yep. Um, but at the end of the day, How's usually that? to make those customers happy, it costs us money. Yeah. Right. And, yep. um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, those things do happen, but if, you know, if you can just limit that stuff as much as possible, it makes mm-hmm. everyone's life a lot easier. Yeah. What, what I try to tell people is uh, things are going to go wrong mm-hmm. because we deal with humans, mm-hmm. right? And humans aren't perfect. So mm-hmm. if, if something goes wrong, which it could, it's how we deal with it, right? It's how everyone deals with it. Do they fess up? Do they, you know, deal with it? Do they take responsibility? Do we just, you know, as a company, do we just look at it and say, okay, well, what, what do we have to do, right? To not only keep that client, but like surpass, like that's another opportunity to just be like, 
well, we bought a truck and everything went, went well. Yeah, it was great. Well, I bought a truck, but it had a scratch in it and you should have seen what these guys did. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's a huge opportunity there mm -hmm. too. Yeah. It's your opportunity to sell the next truck. Yeah. Really is how, and how you look after it, you know, it will basically be whether they're going to go somewhere else to buy their next truck or they're coming back to you. That's right. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so you, um, I, I've always felt like car salesmen have always ha had like this, they're starting in a negative position because of how bad we used to look at them, mm -hmm. right? Like sleazy car salesmen. So, um, one of the things that like, and, and I would have liked to say this right at the start, but when, when, when I first met you, actually, you taught me a monster lesson. It wasn't right when we first met, but golfing, mm. golfing. And I never really understood. So I'm, what, what I'm talking about is, uh, when, oh, we, when we were getting memberships. So I had, a, I was a student at the time, right? Yep. And, uh, we were getting, we wanted memberships at the, at the, Nyaqua golf course yeah. and uh they wanted more younger people in right because they were trying to really get their their mm -hmm, membership mm -hmm. and their young crowd in and they wanted it to be a cool place and so when i brought you in and you know i said jared you're a student wink wink nudge nudge uh you went into the meeting mm -hmm. even the guy said Jared, you're a student, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Well, no, he didn't. He asked me if I was a student and I just, I flat out told him, no, I'm not. And then he kind of said, well, yeah, you, you are wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But I was, at that point, I kind of was embarrassed that I was coming there because he thought I was a student. And then he asked me point blank and I was like, no, I'm not. So, yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't a member that year. Yeah, yeah. I think it was one of the biggest things like it that's it's always stuck with me. It's always stuck with me. Like why like this was a this was a long time ago, right? Um but you know there was a there was a time when I was thinking what's the big deal? Right? Um and that has always stuck with me as far as like that's a chance to just be honest with people, right? Mm -hmm. And now in my life, I have found the easiest, like everything got so much lighter when I started doing that, when I started like, like almost radical honesty, as far as just like, you can't, you can't mess up, mm -hmm. you know, like you're, I'm going to mess up, but at the same time, I don't have to remember anything. Right. And then not only that, I took that lesson mixed with like this monster training growth path that I've been on for the last, you know, seven years and learning the importance of, of, uh, even being honest with ourselves about not lying about what we're doing or not doing, or there are results that we have and stuff like that. Um, but bringing it like creating a company based around that, right? Like we're totally open book. Uh, everyone's told like, that's, that's number one, right? Like mm -hmm. just tell the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, we're, we're open book. We try to be as transparent as possible because, you know, it takes all the guesswork out of it. So I do have to say that 
I don't know if you were the catalyst, but it's always stuck with me of that, you know, r- radical candor and, and honesty in that situation where it could have been just an easy, mm-hmm. you know, an easy out. Um, so probably would have helped my golf game too. Whew, well, mine <laughs> suffered too because I didn't have a friend there with me. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, that really like that helped me too, because now I know that every time I go to you and every time, you know, if you have something that I want at the, at the dealership, I know what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people, um, have been that, that have gotten to know you have gotten to, you know, they know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's, that's, that's probably a monster part of your success is that, you know, you tell it like it is, you're very likable, you're well-spoken, you train like crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, your craft inside and out, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. Um, so as far as values are concerned, is that something that is just simply like embedded from, childhood is that something that you've actually ever given thought to as far as how you want to show up and you know what I have and and I think um you know I think my I think it comes from growing up in a small town you know I grew up in a small town you knew everybody you know my my parents knew everybody my grandparents knew everybody my aunt uncles like you knew uh, everybody, you couldn't get away with what you can get away with. I think in a big city, okay. and so I, I would, I would maybe attribute that to, to small town values. And mm. you know, you'd, you, it was just a small place. You couldn't get away with anything. You know, if you were, if you weren't going to tell the truth, it was going to come back to, to eventually. Yeah. It would, it would catch up with you. You right. know, uh, because everybody knew everybody. Right. You know. You couldn't get away with anything in a small town. So I don't know if, you know, I would probably say that's just my small town values that I've kind of just been used to. Mm-hmm. How important, so so along the lines of value and stuff like that, how have you been able to, because as you get, you know, as the ebbs and flows of what position you're in and the hours that you're working and how much you're putting into it, how has, as your career has been kind of, you know, getting more and more successful. Mm. How has being a father of two and a husband and all of that played in? Is that something that you're, that you've had to actively think of? Is it just uh, a thing of, you know, things are working, things aren't working, you know, how much, how has that affected your, your ability to, to show up for your family? Um, well, I'm, I'm, you know, very lucky. Uh, Kendra is uh, my wife, Kendra. She looks after the home very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's very organized with the, the kids. And, uh, you know, it's allowed me to to focus on, you know, what I needed to do at, at the dealership to kind of get things up and rolling. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it it's also kind of one of those things I try to sh- get home and, and, you know, shut things off when I get home and enjoy that home life. And, you know, my kids are still at that age where when I walk through the door, they're super excited still, to see me. They still like us. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Um, so, you know, that makes, makes it a lot easier too, right? Yeah. Um, 
And they're getting at that age where they're playing lots of sports now. So I, I really want to get and try and be involved in that and, and uh, be there to watch them and um, take all that in because I think it's going to go by pretty quick. So, mm. so I'm told anyways. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't remember much already and they're not that old. <laughs> yeah. So that's great. Um, what's something that about uh, car sales that you wish people knew? Well, I think it's, I think a lot of people think it's easy. You know, I think that's one thing. I think a lot of people think that it's, yeah, well, if I fail at this, I can always go sell cars. Right. You know, and, um, you know, it's not an, it's not an easy job. It's not for everyone. Right. You know, it's, it's a grind. Uh, like I said, in the first three, four years of it, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, which I'm sure is like a lot of other sales jobs, the same, right? Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just think, you know, a lot of people think that it would be an, an easy, easy thing to do. And, you know, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of people fail at it through the years. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, I never like to see that, but, you know, um, it is a tough, tough job. Yeah. Um, what's the hardest thing about actually getting your own dealership and having to to move into that role? Mm. Um, what was the hardest part about it? Probably just, you know, getting in and just meeting everyone at the, at the new place. Right. Um, you know, I came from spending 14 years at one dealership. I knew the ins and outs of the place. I knew, you know, everything, uh, all the people, you know, where the keys were, where the keys would be if I couldn't find them the first time and <clears throat> where they'd be the third time if I couldn't find them, right. you know, like where to look. And, and so, uh, you know, now I'm coming into a new, new atmosphere. What kind of a, you know, what kind of a culture is it here? What, you know, what's, what's the the quirks of every individual? Um, what makes them tick? What, uh, you know, and then, and then learning about everyone's family and trying to remember everyone's name. Uh, and, you know, Kids so that names. was just, yeah. And, you know, even going in the first day and thinking, is everyone going to keep working for me or are they all going to quit and go work somewhere else you know yeah. uh um so you know that was that was probably just and then once i got in there and got to know everybody and you know i think everybody got to know me um that we we're all looking to accomplish the same thing yeah um you know got easier so right did you guys have and and it was there like a a murray group hr set up already no no we didn't at the time we do now okay yeah we do now between the three stores in the city right there's three in the city here so um but at that time we didn't mm-hmm. no it was uh and actually when they announced the they announced that you know i was going over there as as the partner of the dealership and general manager ken and i were actually in a flight on the way to jamaica because we had booked a jamaican uh like uh Jamaica flight uh, holiday, sorry, into March. And we were able to push it into February because March 1st was takeover date. And and so it just so happened, though, when we moved the, the trip forward, the owner, the previous owner, set a date to announce to his staff while we had moved our, our trip. So anyways, Dan Dan was, uh, was real good about it. He just said, Jared, just go on your trip. Go do your thing. I'll look after it. I'll go and meet everybody and, you know, 
And so, yeah, he, so Dan went down and, and met all the staff and then the word got out, right? So I'll never forget landing in Jamaica, getting to the hotel and turning my Wi-Fi on. And my phone was binging because, you know, the word was out. And uh, Ken and I sat, we sat at supper that night and just, you know, just we're going through all the people congratulating us and, and all the messages we got. So it was, it was fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Welcome your new boss. He's in Jamaica right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was more it was more my staff that I'd worked with for 14 years. Okay, like they yeah. had found out that I was leaving and and you know, I worked with them all for a long time and and yep. they knew that you know what I was after. Something was happening. Yeah. They knew what I was yep. after and and uh what I'd worked towards and and so yeah, it was it was more, you know, them congratulating me and on the change so. How was taking over that how many employees? Seventy. How was taking over seventy different attitudes? Uh, you know, coming in, not only learning, you know, who they were and their names and everything like that, mm-hmm. but how to deal with them. How to probably dealing with the managers who manage everyone. Uh, but I, uh, where I'm going with this more is about you know culture and what did you want this dealership to, to be, you know what? I, it, it wasn't that difficult. Okay. Uh, when I went in there, you know, I had, I had thought that, you know, how are they going to, you know, um, take me coming in and, and, but I'm going to take the door off the hinges. My door's open. Yeah. Anytime. I mean, it, it was, it was a lot easier than I thought, yeah. you know, um, you know, I went in there and, and just, got to know everyone. And, and, you know, Dan, uh, was, was good on, he said, don't go in there and make a bunch of changes. Mm -hmm. Don't go in there and, and do anything, you know, go in there, meet everyone, get to know them, you know, get them comfortable. And then, you know, as time comes, like you'll start to figure out who's going to work and who isn't, you know? And, you know, luckily for me, I don't, I we didn't have much for turnover. It was, uh, it was awesome. And it was really probably the best opportunity that could have happened for me because, you know, there's, there's really four different departments within the dealership. There's the sales department, service parts and body shop. And, and so I was lucky enough that the group that we had purchased had a fixed ops manager that oversaw the service parts and body shop for the four dealerships that were in that auto group. And so he came with with the dealership that that we bought nice. uh, because the other two stores went on their own. The, the stores all kind of went separate. Yep. And uh, and you know, for me, he knew he knows the service parts and body shop business. And the thing that needed work at the dealership was the sales department, and I knew the sales department, so I was able to come in and just kind of go, "You guys got that looked after." perfect. I'll talk to you. You know, he sends me a report every Monday or every morning, you know, just to kind of keep me in the loop. But my focus was the sales department, which was what I knew. So it was really, it was a perfect, perfect opportunity for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the fixed department there was, was awesome. It's still awesome. You know, our parts department, we were uh, second biggest volume in Canada last year Crazy. for parts. Um, you know, and our, our service department. Is, Why do you think that is? Because my parts manager has been there for 50 years. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, the building was built around him. Like the guy is amazing, <laughs> just amazing guy. Um, and he's just built an amazing team around him. Like you go through the parts. I hired a new guy the other day and I walked him through our parts department and I just introduced him to every guy in our parts department and just made sure to say how long they've been here. You know, 20 years, 25 years, 30, 35 years. You know, the, the experience there is just, it's it's unmatched. And, you know, my, my parts manager being there for 50 years, the relationships that he has built with, we've got, I think, 80, 85% market share. Mm-hmm. Um for wholesale parts in the city. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's it's just it's amazing what they've done. So again, coming in, you know, you look at all the departments and you know, I'm talking with Dan Murray on, you know, what do you think I should do here? What do you think I should do here? What do you think? You know, you come to the parts department, he's like, get out of their way. Just just focus on something else. Don't worry about those guys. Yeah. They'll do their thing. And they yeah. do month in, month out. It's awesome. How important was it to have somebody that you can go to, like a like a mentor, like Dan? Oh, it's you know, it, it's super important to be able to go to those guys. Like it's and it, it, you know, I've got you know lots. Uh, you know, my dad, um, you know, had a car dealership as well, so you know, really easy to to call my dad and 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 you know, run things past him. Um, you know, throughout my years selling cars and in the finance office, I watched coworkers ahead of me move on to other dealerships, you know, so they're a phone call away. I got, you know, a friend of mine that uh, manages a dealership in Fort St. John, BC, you know, he's an hour behind and, and sir, or yeah. And so when he drives in, in the morning, Mm -hmm. I, my phone rings at 10 o'clock every morning, he's on his way in, you know, he just wants to chat. Yeah. shop yeah. you know and so we we bounce stuff off each other all the time and um and then even my drive in you know i talked to one of the managers over at the chef store a lot um you know just on my drive in we're calling and just running ideas back and forth how's how's business what's working what's not you know it's yeah. it's it's super important to have those people right to be able to talk to yeah do you guys sell much uh, speaking of bc do you guys sell much outside of Manitoba? Well, we are. Yeah, we are. Uh, we are now. I mean, you would never before. Uh, right. Is that pure, but, pure internet? Like, is yeah. that, that, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and inventory, right? Like we're very short on inventory right now. Um, so it's, it's really nothing for someone in Quebec, Ontario, Alberta, BC, you know, they'll, if we got the truck they want with the options they want, mm-hmm. we'll figure out a way to sell it to them. Yeah. Have you noticed um, any difference between people in Winnipeg versus dealing with clients from from anywhere else? No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't really. I mean, you don't. It is a little tougher because you're dealing with that person over the phone. Hmm. Um, and you know, as a salesperson, if someone's calling three provinces over to buy the vehicle that you have, yeah. you've kind of got the upper hand on them, right? Yep. Uh, you know, because he's probably got five dealerships within an hour or two that he could go to, but he's calling you because you have exactly what he wants. So it's a little easier that way versus, you know, somebody coming through the door or somebody calling you in Winnipeg on a vehicle that you know that he could go and buy at, 
any of the other dealers in town, you know, you got to be a little more, you know, I don't know if I should say aggressive, but you know, you, you know, you got to work that deal a little differently. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Do you ever, um, when you think back, was there ever a kind of light bulb moment for you as far as like, this is, this is where my career is going. This is where I want to be versus maybe I should look somewhere else. Maybe I should, did you always know you wanted to, to follow this path? Well, I grew up, you know, my grandfather had a car dealership. My father had a car dealership. My uncle had a car dealership, you know, so it was just, it was in my the, pappy's pappy and my yeah. pappy football him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, p- people joke that I had a PhD in car dealer. Papa yeah. had, Papa had dealership. Yeah, that's fair. And, uh, but you know, it was all like, I was a very, I've always been very passionate about vehicles. I've always been around vehicles. Mm-hmm. You know, I played lots of hockey growing up, but I think if somebody when I was younger said, you know, Jared, do you want to go to a Jets game or do you want to go to the car dealership? I'd probably pick the car dealership. Right. You know, and I loved all aspects of the car dealership, whether it was in the back watching the guys, you know, fix a car, paint a car or, you know, in the showroom, you know, checking out the new car that just came in, Mm. you know, I I loved it all. Um, And so I, I think I knew, and I think, you know, my family knew too that, it was probably the, as, as much as my mom tried to veer me off, you know, the car business a bit, but. Because uh, you have a brother. Yeah, I got a brother. Yeah. And and Riley did not go. He tried it for or, a bit. Or did he, yeah. You know, he, he would have been fantastic in the car business. I always, every time I think, man, I, I could probably use a manager. Man, it'd be nice if my brother would come work with me. But, mm. you know, I know that's, you know, never going to, he's got a great career uh, going with, um, he's a power engineer um, out in Alberta. So. But, um, yeah, he gave it a try for a bit and, and he went a separate route and it's been, you know, it's been great for him. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on with the Nova right now? Big plans, big plans. Yeah. Have you broken anything on it lately? Oh yeah. The motor's apart. (laughs) (laughs) That thing spends more time not running than it does running. That's fair. I think that's like most antique cars yeah right yeah exactly i finally bought a lift for my garage just to get it up out of the way <gasps> beautiful yeah just so i don't those are it. handy yeah they are yeah just it's a great storage tool uh when are you gonna buy a motorcycle you know what i'm more of a car guy you know i've just always been a car guy it's uh i'm glad you said that because i'm probably gonna sell mine oh okay because it hasn't been written in like three years yeah and every time i started i see more oil coming out of it yeah <laughs> and it doesn't seem to fix itself yeah i do i got a snowmobile so i rode ride the snowmobile all summer so that maybe is my uh, motorcycle fix yeah in yeah a way uh love love riding my snowmobile yeah is there uh is there anything that you've done uh on a daily like what's your daily routine that if you know, you don't do that. Is there anything that if you don't do, like the day's a little meh, or you know that if you do certain specific things that, you know, you're you're kind of setting yourself up for a better day than not? Yeah, I'm not much of a routine guy. Yeah. You know, as much as I'd love to be a routine guy, I, I'm, I'm not. Um, but, uh, you know, for myself, I, I just, I really enjoy getting into the dealership every day and just walking around and, and saying hi to everyone. And just talking with people, I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, that you can get caught up in what you need to do, 
uh, for work, right? You get, you, and, and, you know, it's all of a sudden it's the end of the day and it's like, all I've done, you know, you look at the steps on your watch and you go, man, I, I need to get up and do something here. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I, I really do. I enjoy getting in the morning and walk in the dealership and just talking with people morning. How was your day? You know, how was your night? You know, what'd you do last? Oh, you went to the Jets game. You know, how was the game? Where'd you sit? Well, you went to your daughter's hockey game. Did she win? You know, just, just go around and just talk with, talk with employees and just engage them. Um, you know, cause I enjoy it and I think they enjoy it too. That seems like it's kind of been the, you know, your network is, is, is quite big over the last, you know, 20 some years of doing that and really investing in, in relationships with people has, has pretty much seen to be one of the, probably one of your biggest assets, right? Like it probably pays off. Well, it, you learn, it, you learn easy or learn right away in car sales that, you know, it's rapport building, hmm. you know, I couldn't tell you the amount of times I've had someone come in and they want the black car with a sunroof and it's got to have these wheels on it. And, you know, you find out that they know so-and-so's uncle's brother that you know and and you build rapport with them and all of a sudden they're driving out the door with the purple car with no sunroof because they liked dealing with you so much right. that those things didn't really matter that much. They would rather buy the car from you that you have. Yes. You know, because of the relationship you built with them. And you know, and that's that's huge in anything you're selling is 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 rapport building and, and that relationship. And I tell my sales guys, you're not going to sell every person every car. But take as much information you can from that person, mm-hmm. you know, because that information you take from them will help you sell the next car. You know, if you, if you're talking with this person and he's a hydro worker and he goes to Lactobani and his cottage is up there and, you know, and then the next person, you know, a day later comes in and you find out they're a hydro worker and, and you, Oh, I just had so-and-so here yesterday. Or even if you sold them a car, right? I mean, there's just that instant rapport and that the wall drops and, all of a sudden it's, it just makes things easier. Right. Um, and I think the more you can do that, the more people you can meet and know, just the easier it gets. Yeah, that makes sense. If you could talk to the 18-year-old Jared, mm. what would you be telling him? Oh, boy. What would I be telling him? I don't know, focus more in school. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't you the best. To be doing well. Yeah, I know, but it not not because of not because of school. Yeah, not because of school. It's just it's it's more because of the opportunities and the people that I've been able to surround myself with. That mm-hmm. you know, I've had success. I was never a school person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just you know, I, there's a lot of things I probably could have focused on a little more and um, when I was younger. But yeah, no regrets. I mean, it all all seemed to worked out, you know? Yeah. Well, that's one of the things too, that I've been, that, you know, a lot of people that I listen to and that I've been thinking about was really, I mean, there are, if there was a car school, I guarantee you probably would have listened a little more. hundred percent. Right. You would have been right. So that leads me, you know, down the path of like, you know, how, you know, should we, how do we find people's passions? How do we, how do we encourage that? Right? Like your kids are coming up, they're growing up. Um, you've clearly found, you know, a, a, a synthesis b- between your passion and your career. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 
And not everyone gets that. And not only that, there's people in the in the automotive industry that probably shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe their their passion is cats or whatever it is, right? But you've been able to to find that. So um, that's that's pretty special, I would say. It it has been, and and it just kind of reminds me my uh, manager back at the Chevrolet store, Jim Chuka who was, you know, awesome. and He's a cat guy, isn't he? Ah, uh, I don't know. Actually, he might be. Uh, but anyways, Jimmy always said, you know, I've never worked a day in my life. Yeah. Because I love what I do. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, um, you know, I'm I'm very much the same. You know, I, I love going to work every day. So it's, it's, I'm very fortunate that way because, you know, I did work a few jobs that, I was a clock watcher. I worked in a body shop sanding like and doing body work. Talk about a clock watching job. Like, oh my. Like I couldn't wait for coffee break, lunchtime, coffee break, end of day, get me out of here. Like it was, mm. you know, and I think it's it's good to do those jobs though. Cause you you appreciate a you good know, job. A good job. Yeah. Is that the worst job you've ever had? I wouldn't say like I, I don't know if I'd say it was the worst job. There was parts of it I there was parts of it I enjoyed. You know, what's the worst job you've ever had? Oh, what was the worst job I ever had? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mine was the rigs. 100%. Oh, really? 100%. It was. It was not. I didn't want to be there. Yeah, I didn't like the the my my mindset was totally different than than the people I was working with. Like I was there. I knew I was in in and out in a year, right? Whereas most people there are floating there they end up there and then they kind of i i i knew that people misery loves company Mm. right so if people don't like their jobs and you're saying well i'm gonna be here for a year and they're like well no you're not you're gonna be a lifer just like me right yeah no that definitely was uh that was a dicey job Mm. Plus, the day after I left, my driller uh, ended up spudding, we called it, the the derrick. So up in the stick, like up high where I was, I left. And the guy that took my spot, I was just learning how to do it. The guy that took my spot, the driller actually got this guy's hand caught. Oh, my. It's a super dangerous job. Funny enough, I, I almost cut off my hand anyway, so I don't think yeah. I was ever meant to be. <laughs> um, but hey, but it all turned out. I, you know what? It really did. Now I can't really point all that well, so I have to move my hand a little How does differently. That thing work on the motorcycle throttle, like. Well, I gotta think. I think about it a little bit, you know, more than I should. <laughs> but I think it slows me down a little yeah. bit, which is also good, right? my motorcycle can only go, you know, 60 miles an hour or 60 kilometers an hour. So it's not going to, I'll get hurt, but it's, it's not super fast, which is nice. Um, is there anything that in knowing that you were coming here, was there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, I didn't know what to expect. I was, I like it. uh, I like it. Yeah. Well, like I said before, the one of the coolest things about this is like it allows you're allowing people to get to know you. You're 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 sharing your experience and your knowledge for anyone coming up like that. 
you know, the one day lot attendant who doesn't know what he wants to do and can't see a future ahead of him or, or guys that have been working in, in the industry for, you know, six to 10 years. And they're thinking, is this right for me or where am I going to go with it? Right. So hearing, uh, your insight and hearing all of that, I, I mean, that's, that's invaluable, right. To, for them to get this amount of time with you. And, and also me like hearing, knowing, like picking little pieces that I can use in my business as far as like maybe, maybe walking around a little more talking to people, mm-hmm. right? Like we, we get stuff done, but at the same time, maybe invest more. It's something that over the last, I think over the last about two years, the, the, you know, I've been writing down a lot more, you know, invest in people, right? Cause people are everything, mm-hmm. everything. hundred percent. There are clients, there are, the employees they're they're what make anything special mm-hmm. like everyone right it it takes people so um seeing how you how you are with people has definitely uh helped me a lot which which I thank you for um I really appreciate your time I appreciate you being here and I'm going to say that you know you have single-handedly changed all of my views about car sales I've learned more about car sales in the industry from you than anyone else. But at the same time, um, you know, you've had a massive impact on me as far as how to treat people, how to come about business, how to deal with, you know, everyone on a database basis. Rapport is huge, right? Understanding that. Um, so all things that I've been able to uh, implement and learn. And I really thank you for for coming on here and sharing your your experience. Oh, well, thank you very much. Appreciate you are welcome that. back anytime. Oh, well, that's good. Anytime. Okay. I appreciate you coming out and uh, good luck out there. Yeah. Thank you very much, Dan. Bye-bye.